welcome to the Women in DevOps podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Women in DevOps, Lauren Langdell, and we are on a mission to close the DevOps gender gap and inspire the future leaders of the technology world. On this podcast, we're going to share stories, advocate for empowerment and explore all of the latest trends in tech. If you want to be part of our global movement, then please do visit our website, womenindevops.com, follow us on TikTok and Instagram, and keep listening. Hi, Yasmin, and welcome to the Women in DevOps podcast. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, we've had the pleasure of meeting before, so I'm very, very excited that you're on today's podcast. We've seen you be a panellist at a multitude of events now, um, but really, really excited to dig into owning your feminine energy and AI and the impact of women. I know it's something we've spoken about a lot, but before we kick off, tell our audience, tell us about you, your background, where are you from, and a little bit about your upbringing, because you've got an awesome story. Cool. So uh, my name is Yasmin. Uh, some people also call me Taylor. Um, where I'm from, so I grew up in South London. I come from a working class background. I started, I would say, my tech journey uh, mentally from about five years old, just watching sci-fi movies with my dad. My dad was really good at computers as well, so kind of knew how to fix stuff and code a bit in a very old language called Fortran. So don't ask me how to code in that because I don't know. And um, <laughs> I think that level of support from my dad kind of like led me to get accepted to study artificial intelligence and robotics in university, which was a crazy thing to do because it was similar to studying like aliens, like nobody knew what it was. It was very conceptual, but I stuck, you know, to my guns and I still kind of like finished my uni course. And as of that, I've been working in tech for about, I would say 10 years now. I've now moved on from kind of like AI and kind of like engineering onto cloud engineering and DevOps. And due now to kind of like the rise of generative AI and chat GPT, I've now kind of mixed AI with cloud engineering. So it's kind of like, a, I'm doing like ML opsy kind of thing. So yeah, that's why I start also a mom to a two year old and one on the way. So I'm gonna be very busy at the moment. So I'm very conscious as to how I'm going to juggle with two now, but I'm, I'm here for the ride. <laughs> Congratulations, I'm super excited. But also I love the full circle, the AI and robotics thing. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Did you study in London? Um, no, Bedfordshire, which is, yeah, a nearing town. Okay, perfect. So, super mum, superwoman, let's talk then about owning your feminine energy, um, especially within all the cool stuff that you do within tech. So, what what do you mean by feminine energy? Like, what, when we talk about that, what does that mean to you? I feel like, you know... Um, so when I first entered tech, not only was it very male dominated, it was very white, male, upper class dominated. And you can imagine, you know, being a young black girl from a working class environment, you know, in tech, luckily I've been fortunate enough for people to be, you know, somewhere very nice to me. And regardless of whether the men have been white or black, they've kind of taken me under their wing. But I noticed that, you know, apart from just being passionate about what I do, um, a lot of the places that I've worked have always really encouraged me to be the best that I can be. And I notice that's because I've always come into work being my authentic self. So when I talk about feminine energies, I think where I kind of had the ability to somewhat excel in my career is that I never tried to be a man at work because I know that if I were to try to be a man at work or kind of copy that level of masculine bravado, I'm not going to win against people who actually are men with that bravado. And that's just not me. So 
one thing I noticed is that, you know, even when it comes to talking about being in tech and when we talk about the use of, you know, back in the day, chatbots, even when we look at Alexa and Siri, they all have feminine voices. So it shows you that even in tech, the concept of a woman, when we are including women in tech, is to kind of be somewhat subservient or of servitude. So that kind of like peed me off a bit. But then I was like, hey, I'm always on the phone. And at the time I worked at a service desk and I noticed that people really liked talking to talking about tech can be quite daunting and boring. But when you are somebody that's non-technical and you're calling in for technical help and you have kind of like a masculine voice talking technical jargon back to you, it can kind of be quite aggravating. I think just being a woman and maybe having that natural affinity to a level of empathy plus being able to technically solve skills. It made me like a service superstar. And I was able to kind of like graduate within two and a half years from like a service desk engineer and infrastructure engineer, third line, to like a service desk manager, because I allowed the fact that I'm a woman, maybe in certain aspects, I can come across as more caring, empathetic to make myself still stay technical, but be very human focused as well. I'm obsessed. I've got two things in that, right? Firstly, now whenever I hear Alexa, I hope Alexa now doesn't go off my kitchen. That's all I'm going to think of. <laughs> so thank you for bringing that to my attention. Um, but when thinking about your course at university, yeah. were you like one of the only female students in that course? Because I think even when you talk about tech, but then you talk about like AI and robotics again, like when did when do you think like you first saw that divide? Yeah, probably for my course, right? Because um, I think one, AI and robotics was such a niche. So I think in the first year and a half of uni, you kind of like have your own particular um, uni um, lesson and course on your degree, but then you share other courses with other people. But on my actually AI course, there were two women, um, including myself, one dropped out and the other one changed from like AI to like business tech and information systems. So I was the only woman that graduated in AI in a class full of, I think in the end, we started strong with about 20 people, people dropped out, I was like, what's AI? Let me just do this like business information systems. So I graduated in a class of about nine, 10, I was the only woman. Wow, that's so impressive. Thank you. That's really, really impressive. Because I guess like we all know, it's common knowledge now that, that tech is male dominated, like we've been talking about it for many, many years. And I guess it's interesting to dig into that a little bit further around what you're saying around like you coming across maybe a little more empathetic or caring. Yeah. Is this like element of that like many women feel like they need to put on that assertive, almost like aggressive mask at work, which we were you talking about yeah. earlier, right? Like I know you haven't gone to work doing that, but like have you ever felt pressure into adopting that attitude and like, what advice would you give to anyone who either feels like they have to put on that mask to be successful or on the flip side, like are having trouble, like defining their authentic self? Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Um, I, I definitely feel like I've worked predominantly in tech, but I've also kind of graduated sometimes into technical cells. And I would say that working within like technical cells where you do have to be a bit more bullish So I've realised that, you know, yes, as a woman, you can kind of bring your authentic self to work and you can kind of like leverage on that level of like attentiveness and feminine energy. But then the human consciousness is made of feminine and masculine energy. It's just about 
understanding how to balance it and using it in certain situations so maybe naturally we can say being masculine can be being assertive is a trait of masculinity of course when working in sales and talking about money and deadlines it's okay to be assertive in that sense but um it's just yes just being yourself in that in that in that aspect so there is kind of sometimes there can be a bit of a pressure because you want to be quite bullish you want to stand your ground and i think sometimes especially working in tech or even if you're in sales you know there can be quite a lot of masculine ego so it is you can quite easily feel like bullied out so yeah yeah because because you've had a really like impressive like progression right like starting on service desk like now to where you are now you've worked i guess on both on product and consultancy side do you think that's different in any particular environment, like consultancy versus product, or when you were on service desk versus the engineering side? Or do you think the things are pretty consistent? What I would say is that working in like a cool startup or working in product, people are focused on the tech and people want to show off how technical skilled they are. But when working in consultancy, I noticed that obviously you do have to have a certain level of technical knowledge, but I would say 50% of the job it is it's quite competitive. Even if you're working in consultancy, but you're working within a technical capability, because there are so many ranks of hierarchy that can only be climbed based on your level of networking or social kind of engineering, it adds a certain level of pressure to the job. So hence why a lot of people say you're not a true techie if you work for a consultancy, because if the aim is to kind of get to director or partner, that starts to be less hands-on and more strategy, more sales and billing and stuff. Yeah. Whereas if you were to go to somewhere like Spotify, you know, you can graduate from like a level one engineer to like VP of engineering. Yeah, there's not as much sales involved. Yeah, no, that makes sense. No, that does make sense. So I want to like capture your amazing feminine energy, but loop back to AI in particular, because I've got a shocking stat for you. Fell off my chair when I read this a few, few days ago. So last month, casually, July 2023, Goldman Sachs reported that nearly 80% of women's jobs are at risk from generative, I can't say this word, generative, gender, generative AI. Yeah. I also can't say millennium. Um, I, have, I struggle so much. But, which is really scary. Yeah. Right, that A, that's been reported, B, that, that even if that, there's truth behind it or not, right? Um why do you think women in particular are at risk and do you think that's true firstly and if it do you think it's true and if it is why do you think women are at risk i can understand why women are at risk because when we think about generative ai um generative ai is the concept of kind of like becoming a bit more sentient as AI. So a lot of the concepts behind generative AI is like, you know, in ChatGPT, which is quite conversational, historically, quite a lot of women have done admin jobs. And historically, quite a lot of women have done the tasks that are a bit more people-centric. Generative AI can overtake quite a lot of women's jobs if that's what we predominantly do. And not a lot of women are behind the scene creating the, like, the coding or the algorithms in that sense. Um, even regards to kind of like customer service roles or um, different aspects of the creative field where lots of women are in, if now generative AI can predict a script for a movie or X, Y, and Z, then it, it affects the fields of creativity and customer service that women are most likely in, which is kind of crap. So, um, yeah, yeah, I can understand how that definitely can lead to an impact. Yeah. 
And I, I was thinking about this as well. Like, who knows how far this can go? But I guess, like, yeah, with like tax prediction and things like that, like teaching, like, could like teaching be an industry that's like going to be really affected by this? Or, yeah, film scripts, etc. I guess the possibilities are endless. And I guess when you're at university, right, studying AI and it was so conceptual, do you think we're still like in concept stage with? those sort of concepts or do you think there's a lot that's already like in the works and ready to ship um I think there's still quite a lot in the works I don't think we're fully there yet I think you know we can kind of get on the path of worrying which is totally fine but (laughs) ensuring that we've got we give women the options to kind of get themselves involved in tech if they want and we also can say that you know if you're a woman and you want to get in tech even if you don't want to code, you should still be able to understand certain things. So I think there was like a new fancy word, um, a prompt engineer or something like that. Uh, a prompt as engineer. a job, which I think women can kind of like get involved in because we shouldn't have to be technical to be in tech, which I think. No, no that's fair. Because on that then, like, what do you think, what, what do you think we can do then to support women in particular as AI does begin to automate these current roles yes we can encourage it but like from a granular like tangible um sort of like examples like do you think it's grassroots we need to be encouraging women to go to university I don't necessarily think always university is the answer right especially with like fees these days and accessibility and yeah. economic status as well but um yeah what do you think we can be doing on like if everyone take responsibility um for encouraging women to get into tech and also stay in tech yeah I think the the hardest thing about being in tech is now I think as a society we've kind of hit the nail on the head and understanding that women do need to be in tech and there are so many great organizations that encourage that I think the issue now is ensuring that women can be retained during tech so Mm. I know for many women including myself COVID was kind of a blessing in disguise in a, in a weird way because, you know, opening up the world and the possibilities to remote work, you know, allowed a lot of women to still earn money, still work and excel in their careers and juggle being a mum. So it's even just allowing companies to still have remote working, which I know a lot of companies at the moment are trying to close that down because it's not COVID anymore. It's um, maybe understanding a bit more things about the human anatomy in regards to women, like the mental and physical effects of the menopause, period leave days and stuff. Um, I also think it's an aspect of media training as well. We can do so many Hi. things like a behind the scenes corporately, but I think the media should also maybe have a bit more movies that show women doing cool things in tech, except for the, and not necessarily the normal trope of the sexy FBI hacker girl. Like it just needs <laughs> to be subconsciously normalised. So like the Barbie movie, absolutely loved it, but let's see if we can have something as big or fancy that's not Barbie but then like tech if that makes sense so yeah yeah okay I'm glad you brought up Barbie um (laughs) I've been having some really controversial conversations about the Barbie movie and I can't decide I love the message behind it but as a film can't decide about that I hate it but yeah no I completely agree with you do you do you think it's in the responsibility of like PR I don't want to say newspaper, right? But online media. Where do, where do you think that responsibility lies? I definitely like, see, yeah, online media. And I think yeah. we have a not a long way to go, but there's so many other indirect, inherent things we need to do, like disabling aspects of the patriarchy and 
it's it goes on and on but I definitely would say that it's media and I think you know tech for men it is somewhat gatekept because you know the more you kind of climb up the mountain not only does it get whiter but it gets more male dominated as well yeah. and it can be quite intimidating you know it's, it's it's very systematic because even if we do encourage women to be in tech and we find a way to retain them we've got about 30 to 40 years of men predominantly being in those positions so you know in order to kind of like climb to like that technical level of like leadership like senior partner or whatever it takes years so I would hope like to think in the next like 10 to 15 years we have a lot more women in senior leadership positions that are like homegrown yeah I like that phrase actually homegrown and yeah. you're right in regards to like different phases of our lives it you know it does affect us more like you know childbearing um yeah menstrual leaflet menstruate etc um i feel like that's a podcast in itself right i feel like we could probably sit with a yeah. glass of wine or coffee in this case <laughs> um <laughs> talk about this for a very long time but on that note so you've been in this game for a long time as a parent as well what do you see like the biggest changes and what have you noticed has changed since you started your career like are we heading in a positive direction positive is that I see more organizations inclusive and wanting to advocate for diversity and that's spanned across like um understanding the power of sociability understanding the neurotypical differences that people can have and most importantly um including um, different genders including women and trans transgender people but I think at the same time the bad thing about it is that it is somewhat becoming very performative in a way yeah when I was in younger in my tech game when I first won an award I won an award because it was the fruit of my labor and the, the years I've put in um, and I also felt honored to be on the stage with people that had maybe many years of experience with me but now I can literally just do a boot camp um be really good at social media and be savvy and then just kind of like win an award for like being tech person of the year and that's great but then I think we're kind of glamorizing tech in a way that makes it seem like we're only focusing on how cool it is to be a woman in tech but we're not showing the technical stories behind it I think yeah. so I get quite a lot of young people that I mentor that are like oh my gosh I want to win this award I want to make this money and it's like people aren't showing the sweat and tears and the journey behind it so I think in that sense it has been a bit social medialized if that's the word or a bit glamorized especially yeah. with the highlight into how much salaries and like six figures or even plus 80k you can make people yeah it's just that's the only bad thing I would say and do you think on the flip side like corporate use of like tokenism in regards to you know yes we want to win this award right we want to win this diversity award let's just talk about a really small sample size rather than like our entire tech team as a whole and I know that's a really again we could talk about this for hours right but like what are your thoughts on like tokenism and social media and how corporates are then using that to mind their agenda like because everyone's got a different stance on it like what's yours I feel like we're damned if we do and damned if we don't when I first yeah. started there was no diversity and inclusion. They, they weren't focusing on kind of highlighting the people that they have in their company if they were of colour. And then you finally have companies that care for diversity and inclusion, also probably in a selfish way to make themselves look not racist and good. But then you finally have your company that cares about diversity and inclusion and they have a person of colour that generally has done well. 
and they highlight this person, but then that said person is being blamed for being seen as a token. And I definitely put my hands up and I've been in that situation many times. But then what people don't realise is that, you know, it's I think a lot of companies are unfortunately being placed in a situation where they have one or two people of colour that happen to be exceptional and are placing them as tokens. But we also have to remember that apart from tech systematically not having a lot of women, we also don't have a lot of people of colour. So yeah. of course it's going to be rare to see an Asian or a black person or mixed race person on a certain level in tech because it's just not that. So I've always worked with companies and kind of eliminating the aspects of tokenism and showing people that, hey, if you are also a person of colour from a working class environment like me, this is what you can aspire to. But then other people feel like you shouldn't do that. So it's, it's very like, where do we go from here? So I think yeah. It, sensitive topic and then some companies are like you're right I'm not going to do any tokenism and then they just show the white people's like hey where are all the other people like yeah it's, yeah it's hard it's it's hard to get right isn't it and I think it's really really interesting I guess and the reason I bring that up right is looping in like the responsibility of online media right and and social media and then also the graphs we want people from like classroom all the way through to boardroom and the support there like the wider picture is huge and there's so many different like pockets like what do we tackle first I mean you highlighted it just then right like you've done some incredible things I actually remember seeing your LinkedIn like six years ago <laughs> I can't remember the award the award that you won but you won did you win tech person of the year I think in like 2000 yeah like, I, remember, I remember we hadn't met before and I remember being like wow that's awesome right I've always remembered you but you've done a lot two questions here what would your advice be to your younger self and then what would your advice be to your future self oh advice to my younger <laughs> self that's a good one if I was listen to the Iceman, what does I say um advice to my younger <laughs> self probably along the lines of you know keep going um always stay in your passion yeah I would say and then advice to my older self would be always remember to pass the baton back oh I love that yeah because a lot of people ask me like I turned 30 in November so I'm still trying to hang on to you I'm only 30 and um so <laughs> <laughs> and uh, people oh my gosh like you know you've done so well you've done so much like how did you get here kind of thing and I've honestly would say that I don't believe I'm like the best engineer in the world but I would say um companies you know really 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 like people who are over enthusiastic and like people who are passionate and I believe because I started my career like in tech working um part-time at 19 full-time at 20 even if at the time I was still quite young and I didn't have the most technical skills people like people that are excited about their product so I think yeah. even being young and quite childish and just having that energy for work to start at nine but I'm there at eight because I'm just excited people just will you know really good like so that's one thing that I would say is any career you have just make sure that you are passionate about it I would definitely say that my passion has brought my stability because even though I enjoy tech you can imagine that um being a woman being a woman of color getting your first kind of like management role at 26 there, there is quite a lot of isms and different things I've faced but my passion has always fueled my resilience so if you don't have that passion and you can't use that to fuel your resilience you can be in tech but because tech is so big now and so competitive you're not really 
going to get anywhere. So you have to make sure that you enjoy what you do. Yeah, it's so important. It's so important because you spend just as much time at work than you do in your personal life. So, yeah, I just think if you don't enjoy it, what, what, what are you doing? You know, one hundred percent wasting wasting time. And I, I appreciate that comes from a also from like a real like platform of privilege because I love working with people like yourself and building diverse teams and not everyone has the opportunity to do what they want to do so I do appreciate I speak from a huge privilege but yeah I I do echo that Yasmin it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today I feel like we've we've tapped on so many different topics and we could speak for hours and hours and hours we'll have to get you back in in the next few months and and catch up of where you're at and if anyone wanted to find you hunt you down to pick your brains anymore a would that be okay and b where could they find you if i'm on linkedin i'm most active on linkedin um just type in yasmin benjamin i have a rocket next to my name not like <laughs> any other yasmin benjamin but yeah I have a rocket next to my name so just message me on uh, linkedin i'm quite happy and fast to respond excellent um well look talking about passing the baton um yeah love all the work you're doing mentoring as well and I'll speak to you really, really soon. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. And as I mentioned at the start, please do give us a follow if you enjoyed the podcast. Your support really does mean the world to us. And every single like and share helps further to strengthen our community. If you want to find out about our latest events, network initiatives, panel discussions, live Q&As in this tech space, then do make sure you keep in touch. Until next time.